Listen to that Orn podcast coming away, episode 573. So this one is a part two episode of reading listener comments and responding. And the first one we did was 572. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, you can. It's a really fun one. We like to get, there's so many comments, Mobster. We can't possibly get to them all, but we want to, you know, get as many as we can um, to, to, uh, to, to, to get, you know, read them. So I know you guys enjoy when we read them. So first one I want to get into would be, uh, this one was on a Masteron profile. He says, I will add Masteron to my TRT protocol soon. This was from Andy SAS. He says, just 150 milligrams of tests makes me convert to estrogen at high rate. So I've seen clients like this before, even a small dose of testosterone, even a TRT dose of testosterone, 125 milligrams. Um, will cause estrogenic side effects. So I would tell this guy this, if you're running 150 milligrams of test, rather than adding Masteron to your TRT, it makes more sense to drop your testosterone dose. 80, 90, 100 milligrams. Try that and see if you still have the estrogen problems because I, you know, it, it, it's somewhat simpler to do it that way because if you are getting estrogenic problems, that means you're getting a lot of aromatization in the body. So maybe your body fat could be high, but even when some of my clients are really lean and skinny, even seven, eight percent body fat, they'll have a problem with estrogen. So I would, I would, before you add Masteron, I would definitely uh, drop your testosterone dose a little bit. Mobster, you want to comment on that? Should we move on? Yeah. It sounds to me like someone's doing their own TRT and uh, something that we say on the forums regularly is get blood tested. Uh, again, come on the forums and ask this particular question. And this is a reason why a doctor would move stuff around, why an endocrinologist would change the dosages and why, again, as you age and your condition changes, etc., you might not need the same dose of testosterone for TRT. This Things change, but you're not doing that when you're self-TRT and when you're moving stuff around and things have changed. And sometimes it's very, very difficult for us to analyze ourselves in that particular regard. And that's another reason why you come on the forums because you've got 20 or 30 people that can come in with experience and give you some knowledge. And people like Steve with the knowledge that he's on the blood test and be able to read their stuff and ask the right kind of questions that perhaps you aren't asking yourself as well. So next one is a Prima Bowling episode. There's a couple of really good comments on this one. Better place to be, 7896 says, I run Primo at 250 milligrams all year. I'm on TRT, test for life, so I don't come off. So um, again, it kind of ties into what we just talked about. If you're using testosterone for TRT and you're adding Primo, 250 milligrams a week on top of that, you're no longer on TRT. So anything... Whether it be a testosterone dose that's too high, anything above what a TRT dose is, which is max 125 in my mind, okay? It can vary. Some people, it's 100. Some people could be 135. Some people could be 150. But generally, 120, 125 is a TRT dose, right? So anything above that is no longer TRT. Now you're adding other steroids. You want to add Masteron. You want to add Primo. It's no longer TRT. So you're just basically blasting year-round, and it's not healthy. Um, it's not going to be healthy for your body. So you may want to look, you may want to reconsider this, um, you know, going for six months, going for a year, even that's one thing, but going for life, going for the next five, 10, 15 years and doing and adding way more hormones in your body would normally produce. That's going to lead to long-term complications across the board, especially with your kidneys. Um, and look, 
I have a lot of experience with kidneys because I have family members who have to take dialysis for kidneys. So I know a lot about this subject. I've seen the bodybuilders. I've seen the blood work from bodybuilders. I've seen the blood work from clients. Your kidneys take a beating when you're running a lot of anabolic steroids. So take care of your body a little bit better. This is what I would tell this guy. Mobster, really quick, any comment on that? Yeah, read his comment, just a very the bit about Fremont's. The way you read it, Steve, it sounded to me that's exact. That's all he's doing for TRT. Then I would question why he's using Primo for TRT. Sounds to me, if I'm right in that example, Steve, that he's found a drug that he gets on well with and he's made the decision to use that. But there are reasons why doctors prescribe CPNA and other longer-acting esters instead of Primo. Again, we're not doctors, but neither are the listeners for the most part, Steve. So why has he chosen Primo? And if he is doing what you said, then exactly that. He's not doing TRT and Primo on top and still calling it TRT. That makes no sense. Again, it's one of those things where we make certain decisions, and especially when it comes to performance enhancing drugs, and we, because we got no feedback and no one's saying otherwise, and it's kind of made sense at the time uh, to us. But when we actually talk to the guys, talk to us, come onto the forum, et cetera, and we say, hang on, why are you doing that? Why did you make that particular choice? One of them, we've had comments like, that's all I can get. Well, no, there are great sources to get other products. And you're not doing TRT. You're using 400, 500 milligrams total. So why, why do you think that's TRT? And so on. 250 milligrams is at the top end, even if it was just TRT. So you've got loads of questions there. I would, I would ask a bunch of questions to see what was going on there, Steve. So a couple comments on this one. Uh, smoke and plates, uh, regards to Primo, says an amp a day, LOL. I guess because maybe we mentioned that on the podcast. He says, most take an amp a week. I don't really understand this comment. It's an amp of Primo Bolin is 100 milligrams. So, no, they don't take 100 milligrams a week of Primo. They're taking four, five, 600 milligrams, even 800 milligrams. So, at least four, maybe eight amps a week of Primo. So, I don't really understand why he's saying an amp a week. I'm not sure if he's... Here's what I'm thinking, Steve, yeah. right? So... You and I have actually done this. Or maybe he's taking a vial. He's talking about a vial? I don't know. Well, it might not even be that. It might just be sometimes you can't get your head around the level of performance and arts and drug use that some people are using. I, I, can, I can numbers that are thrown out to me by the local gym owner, the numbers that you and I have done with regards to death cycles, and then we go, what, why are you using that much? You're just an average Joe. Why, what, so if it's, for example, I know people that are pinning multiple times a day. I know people that pin just to go to the gym. They can't get their heads around about not having testosterone in their system. So they jab themselves just to go to the gym. So if he's talking about a vial a week, that's 10 mil. But what about the other drugs? If he's talking about an amp, that's different. If he's talking about daily, again, is the person they're talking about competing? Are we talking about, is it something that you and I specifically mentioned when we might have even mentioned a death cycle? So there's a, there's a question there, as you say. So I'd need a bit more information, but, it might be as simple as them not being able to get their head around the idea that run. I'll give you another example. So uh, bro science would suggest that more is better. And therefore, if you and I suggest a low dose, a low uh, stack in terms of the volume of material that's going in, the LOL part is, come on, guys, everybody's using way more than that. And that might be what he's getting at as well. So, yeah, I'd need to know what he's talking about specifically. All right, and um, this one, he says, you keep talking about amps from sharing. It's bare now, and he, he, he basically makes the bear in big, you know, big letters. So, obviously, he's upset about something. Look, at the end of the day, guys, like, we're doing these podcasts. 
they're they're live they're unedited mobster has a completely different time zone than i it's like look at the end of the day if we if we say a, a name that's wrong or something it's no reason to like freak out and get upset all right at the end of the day is it that big of a deal whether we call it bearing bear, sharing bear they changed the company yep. changed the name it's not a big deal i mean there's no reason doesn't make to- any difference at all steve look what, what the company that originally produced the product, most of them do not anymore. Most of them never produced a product for performance enhancing purposes. So it's semantics again. And when we're talking about approved sources on our forums or any forum, are we talking about Bayer or Shearing? No, of course we're not. We're talking about underground labs, guys. So argue the toss if you like, and again, we do like it, about which company originally produced. We might be mistaken on that one. We shouldn't be, but we might have been. It's, it's going to be possible, especially when it comes to the history. Uh, most of the time we do good research and we will have that information to hand. It might have been that our source of information was poor in that regards. But really, is that what we're talking about? Because we're not. Because you can't buy, um, with possibly one or two exceptions, Stephen, and certainly not the original companies, uh, the original product, as is from the original company. There are some companies across the world which are not the original company that produce an under-licensed versions of drugs that were originally created, for example, bearing or shearing or whatever, bearing or shearing or whatever. But for the most part, we're talking about underground labs producing this product. So it's semantics again. Bottom line is that we, we would encourage safe and proper use to give you positive, good results. If we want to argue about the semantics of the name that was used of the company that originally produced it, fine. Go right ahead, guys, because, again, we want your feedback. We want that kind of thing. And it may just well be that we added to the mud, uh, muddled it a little bit in terms of the history. Please correct us if that is the case, because that knowledge is always going to be useful. But it's not really relevant as such to the subject matter in hand, and that is, again, safe, proper, educated use. All right, so one more on this one. It says, there is no way – I'll let you comment on this one, Mobster. Uh, there is n- – no way. Very, very angry. Anabolic. He's Anub, and then he's a zero LIC. Very creative. Uh, says, there is no way Arnold was only doing 15 milligram of Debo a day. You can't seriously believe that. Sergio Oliva was on 100 milligram plus a day just to put things in perspective. So, Mobster, why don't you take this one? Okay, prove it. I've got, I've got $10. Fuck, Steve. I'll go $100. What the hell? Prove it. I have literally in my, and I did this on one podcast. I have literally spoken to someone that used to go around in the car with him in California, cruise, I think it was in New York at the time, cruising for girls. Uh, Dr. Leo Rosa's passed away and he was telling me stories that went on the OHF dinners. We had close kind of conversations. My knowledge of the background and history of the sport gives me a good indication. The problem, here's the problem, right? And it's the same when we talk about modern bodybuilding. People could not get their heads around the idea that a person that was beating them was using the same level of drugs. Look, let's imagine that Steve and I are the same height, same weight, whatever. And I go into a competition and I beat Steve's ass. Now, if Steve is not that kind of person, but if Steve was that kind of person, the only reason that mobs are beating me is because he took more drugs. It's the same kind of conversation. People can't get their head around the fact that Arnold is, was a genetic freak, worked like an absolute motherfucker, absolutely obsessed with bodybuilding, was surrounded by a bunch of other champions that motivated him to work incredibly hard and was still taking more drugs reportedly, in terms of Dynabol, for example, than the other athletes around him were. 
Uh, we've I've used the history of York bubble to create to do this as well. When we talked about 50 milligrams, the other guys were reportedly only using 10. When people started to believe that Arnold was taking 50, they started to take 50. But Arnold wasn't then going, it doesn't make any sense. And equally, and this is another example, Steve, very quickly, when you talk about modern bodybuilders, some are taking crazy, crazy, crazy amounts. But there's a lot of top-level pros that aren't using the amount that people think they are because they've got such fucking amazing genetics and the response of the genetics includes response to PEDs that they blow up like motherfuckers on very, very little. And you go, oh, no, no, no. The only reason that guy's the size of a house is because he's on a million, 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 million grams of trend. And the only reason he's as big as he is is the same. If I took, what's the classic one, Steve? If I took the amount of steroids you're taking, I'd be as big as you. No, you wouldn't. You, do, you literally wouldn't. We're going to grow six inches? No, it's bullshit. People can't get their heads around the fact that the person has genetics does really well, came from a great background, worked really hard. And so the amount that Arnold was taking then is tiny compared to now, but it was actually bigger, arguably, than the other athletes of the time. And people were taking tiny amounts back in the day. And then obviously it started to get out of hand and then the rumours went around and so on. But the reality is, prove it. Literally prove what he was taking. I've seen examples, and the most consistent ones had the same kind of dosages that we suggested. The others are from people that can't get their head around the fact that Arnold did so incredibly well on so little compared to the modern people. As an example, if Arnold competed now and he took the drugs that we take now, the levels that we take now, would he be 225 pounds in shape on stage? No, he would not. He'd be 40 fucking pounds heavier. He'd have traps sticking up to his ears and so on and so forth, Steve. So he took less then because that's what they took at the time. It's changed. When we look back through history, it's hard for us to get heads around. I understand it, but it's wrong. And I've spoken, literally sat down and had a drink with and spoken to people that used to knock about with him when they were chasing after skirt back in the day. Back to you. All right. So next one, we have a couple comments here. Uh, this one is on the equipoise. He says, I found that EQ gave me anxiety to the point where it was so bad. I wake up in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep again. This was by baggy trousers. He says, they also gave me high blood pressure and then kick in for about eight weeks. On the other hand, bold and non sipinate didn't give me anxiety. They didn't raise my blood pressure and they kicked in in about four weeks. Both gave me a large appetite and lean, dry and capable gain. So this is an example, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get certain issues on certain steroids. You're going to get certain benefits on certain steroids. Everybody's going to be different. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, I've seen over the years, plenty of people report anxiety and equipoise, but I've seen plenty of people report anxiety and all kinds of problems from trend, from testosterone, from all kinds of different steroids. You know, so at the end of the day, like you have to identify which steroids you like, which steroids you don't like. And that's okay. Everybody. That's why we do these podcasts. That's why we're on the forums to really talk about the different experiences that everybody will experience. So at the end of the day, the only way you're going to know is from actually trying it yourself. Just make sure you use a good quality source. So you're not getting dirty gear because sometimes dirty gear can cause these problems that people are 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 yep. um are saying maybe the equipoise you use originally was dirty equipoise and then you were having problems could you imagine injecting dirty testosterone or dirty trend and getting cough every time you inject those of course they're going to report a bad experience if that happens or an allergic reaction states, they, exactly yep. it might not have even if it was a if it was a rubbish lab it not, might not have even been what you thought it was so there's an example and there's another one and i've touched on this before Right, especially this applies to new users. 
and people lack an experience of uh, any kind of performance enhancing drugs in the kind of anabolic steroids that we're referring to. So I've touched on this before. Literally, to force a change upon your body, for example, certain particular PDs, you can blow up very quickly. And some people, they can't handle that. They, they literally, they, they thought that they, they, they imagined that they wanted to be the size of a house. They imagined they wanted 20 inch arms. If, if, if your arms were 14 inches and I had a magic wand that made your arms 20 inches tomorrow, Steve, you would kind of freak out for a few days until you got used to it. So the same thing applies to taking a strong dose of an anabolic steroid to create a strong response in your body. And, and we know that certain drugs are bad for your hair. We know that certain drugs are bad for your liver. We know certain drugs can suppress your immune system and you're going to get coughs and stuff like that. And it's uh, some dose dependent. And as Steve said, it might even be down to the source. It might be, as I say, it might not even be what you thought it was and so on. But ultimately, you're trying to force the body to change. And that is a kind of stress and stress will cause anxiety and so on and so forth. So the more anabolic, the more stressful, the more kind of, provocative that the drug is in creating new muscle tissue and strength and size and leanness and so on and so forth when you didn't have that in mind really the more likely you are to have a sense of either well-being like some drugs or anxiety on other drugs and that's just the case how many people that love trend will also talk about transomnia and you've talked about it being a relationship killer you say it was an amazing drug made me strong fucked up my relationships uh, other people you said how um inflammatory certain steroids are and so for example inflammatory means you're stressing the body which means you're stressing the immune system which means you're more likely to get sniffs and coughs and so on and so forth you should be eating cleaner some people do not and so on ultimately it comes down to that person's personal experience and again i've made this comment on another podcast similar to the one we're doing now don't have to use that drug do something else there are other choices if it makes you feel that bad change it change it to something milder you do not have to use the harsh drugs and you don't have to gain everything on one cycle, and you don't have to use high dosages. You literally don't. You can change it. You can manipulate it. You can swap it in. You can lower the dose, all of those things. And then, of course, you come on the forums again, and we're going to give you a few tips on managing the anxiety and managing the side effects and recognizing that what you've got is not actually anxiety. It's just the stress of the drug on your body making you into a beast, Steve. All right. That was uh, That's a good point, Monster. Next one we're going to talk about is um... – he says big E8434 says EQ crushes most people's estrogen. So I want to use the your word crush on this one. I would say that if you're running equipoise, let's say you run equipoise 500 milligrams a week with either 100 mill with 100 milligrams of testosterone, you will not have to worry about estrogen issues. And um, so that's a really advantage of using equipoise. But if you were to run testosterone with D-bowl, you would have to run it. Or if you run 500 milligrams of testosterone, you would have to worry about estrogen. So I wouldn't say it crushes it, but I would say that equipoise isn't going to be a problem when it comes to estrogen. So it's a really, really good steroid. One of my favorites, actually. All right. So this one is on an Asarms episode. So let's talk about this one a little bit. Um, he says, MK, this is user RE4KC says MK677, SR9009, and GW is the best combination to cut with no test suppression. So, look, at the end of the day, um, you can definitely run those three together and get a good effect in the body. Um, MK677 Nutriball, I know Mobster, you recently ran it. The appetite increase on it is just annoying. 
as hell, you know? So um, Nutrol is great if you want to boost your appetite and if you want to sleep really, really hard. When I was on it, I was sleeping like a rock. I, I know some people even they pee in their sleep. I, I read a couple threads about that. People peeing in their sleep because they're sleeping so hard on this stuff that they actually won't get up to have, you know, they won't have the urge to go get up and, and, and pee. So MK67 is a really, really good one for appetite. Really an amazing uh, SARMs-like product. So Mobster, what, what's your thoughts on Nutribol? You tried it. Uh, Nutribol I love, but let me comment on the overall comment about suppression, et cetera, et cetera. So I've, I've, Dylan and I have had the back and forth on this, and you have more suppressive and less suppressive. But guys, the key word is suppressive. There's still some kind of suppression going on. Okay, so the reason why some people use SARMs and not anabolic steroids is because, quote unquote, I don't want to suppress my natural production. You're going to do that. You might not do it with GW. You might not even do it with MK677. But once you're starting to get into the other kinds of SARMs, the likelihood is there going to be some kind of suppression. Now, is it going to fully suppress you in certain SARMs? No. Others will. Uh, again, dose-dependent. Again, individual response, of course. But the reality of the situation is, and I've argued this again, the particular line in question, there will be some suppression if it isn't full-blown suppression. And uh, Steve, even if I take anabolic steroids, I might not be fully suppressing my own natural production of testosterone, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be fucking low. So then it's just a question of degrees. So I would say to that particular in that particular example, again, prove it. Uh, and how badly suppressed are you? There's going to be some. And I think the other phrase that we use on the forum, Steve, is blood test will out. By all means, go and get a blood test and prove that it did not suppress your natural production of testosterone uh, because you use this combination of SARMs. I would say you'd be very lucky to see zero, and I would certainly say that it would be some suppression, which will still need some kind of recovery after the, that SARM stack's been done. And that's another reason, for example, for what we call the mini PCT, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really a question of degrees and in comparison to anabolic steroids as opposed to no suppression and no effects. Uh, if there's a drug out that exists like that, Steve, we have yet to hear about it. And again, as I just touched upon in the previous comment, the stronger and more anabolic and greater producing results a drug is, the more likely there are to be side effects. So that's the reason why you don't see 20-pound gains on SARMs. It's the reason why you do sometimes on certain stacks see 20-pound gains on anabolic steroids. People's choices, but if you're thinking it doesn't suppress, I think you're probably going to say that you might be a little bit shocked if you went off and got a blood test. Even if it was minimal, it would be at least something as opposed to nothing. So I definitely argue that point. Better you. Next one is, will SARMs cut me off from my fasting? So this is a guy, he wants to basically fast and he wants to lose weight. This is Francisco Camarillo, 7518. So look, at the end of the day, we've seen researchers, you know, over the past five, 10 years, cancer uh, doctors are starting to use fasting um, to help their patients, especially those who are doing chemo ahead of chemo during chemo do fasting. It keeps them from getting nauseous and throwing up and all these nasty side effects. It also helps when you fast, it helps kill cancer cells and it helps recycle your good cells. So definitely it's a really, really good weapon for cancer and it's being used now in, in cancer clinics and stuff as well for that reason. So 
At the end of the day, look, this is what I have to say on this. When it comes to supplements, SARMs, steroids, anything, if you're going to get all you want out of fasting, you want to just drink water and some electrolytes is fine. Like you can put a pinch of salt or a pinch of cream of tartar in your water during your fast. If you want to get the most benefits out of fasting, 100% benefits out of fasting, that is that is what you want to do. Now, there's different variations of fasting. There's fruit fasting where you just have fruit during your fast. There's bone broth fasting where you just have bone broth. There's fasting where people will add maybe a SARM like GW or SR9009 to boost. And there's some people who will add um, some light, mild steroid like Anavar to their fast. It doesn't affect their appetite. Stuff like that. There's different variations. Some people just do liquid fast where they just drink coconut water or they or just raw coconut water, or they might just drink, um, you know, they'll add, you know, these electrolyte mixed drinks to their water. So there's different variations of fasting. But if you want the full 100% benefits of fasting, you just want to do your fast with just water and you can have a, a little bit of electrolytes here and there when you get really dehydrated. And that's the optimal way to do a fast. So the answer is, the way I teach it, no, you don't want to run any SARM, any steroid, nothing when you're doing your fasting, but you can still get really, really good benefits from fasting when you add, you know, you might, if you want to add this, this, or this, or this, that's fine. Even just doing a really low calorie diet, technically, you'll get a lot of benefits from that because it's going to, you know, affect your mTOR and stuff like that. But at the end yeah. of the day, the benefits of fasting are so much better when you're just fasting. And again, it's hard on these podcasts from other people on social media to have someone say what I just said, mobster, because I can't sell you anything. So we have all these guys now who are promoting fasting, but they want to sell you something. They want to charge oh, yeah. you all this Teas, they want, teas and drinks and yeah, powders and potions. Exactly. They want to sell you these supplements or they want to sell you, come to my resort and I'll charge you $300 a night to stay at my resort. It's a fasting resort. They want to make money off of it. Look, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm going to be dead in 40, 50 years. Mobster is going to be dead in 30 years. Yep. At the end of the day, what's going to be our legacy? Is it going to be that we made a million dollars selling you a supplement or is our legacy yeah. going to be we pass information on? So for me, I'd rather pass information on than, uh, you know, then leave my cat a yeah. million dollars from selling, you know, yeah. supplements. You my my so, reputation to me is a big deal when it comes to these things, Steve. And I think of the history of the sport and the iron game and my impact and so on. And I've got certain things in that particular regard that apply already. So fast and I'm selling you fuck all. I'm literally selling you fresh air and water as hard to sell and proper fasting is 24 hours a day, two, three days at a time. So that is water. If you break the fast with a coffee, if you break the fast with a psalm, if you break, you're breaking the fast, right? So do it properly. Now, if you're doing 18 hours a day or 19 hours a day or 20 hours a day, then, you know, we're talking about something else. But hell, that might have someone sitting down and putting 3,000 calories in their mouth in four hours, Steve, and they're not eating for 20 hours. See what I mean, guys? It starts to get a bit messy. So this, the proper fast is nothing but water and fresh air, a bit of sunshine. It's no food. It's not coffee. It's no sugars. It's no pills. It's nothing. And you don't. And you're not. We're not telling you to starve. We're not telling you to do twenty days and die. We're talking about one, two, maybe three days. The longest Steve's done, I think, was 
14, 15 days. But reality is when we're talking about fasting, we're talking about two or three days at the most, especially for the person. Hell, Steve, two days if you've never done a fast before. You're on a weekend, chill the fuck out, sit in your garden, two days of nothing but water to make yourself feel better. And that is nothing. No coffee, no smoking, no pills, no, you know, if you're not, unless you're not on a prescription medication for a medical issue, nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did. I, so I did 19 days was the longest I've done. So yeah, I've done see? a bunch, five days, 10 days, and 19. Yep. But with when it comes to the coffee things, this is the thing, because I know a lot of people, they're really addicted to coffee. They're really yep. addicted. They have certain addictions. If you're addicted that bad to something, and that's going to be the hardest part of the fast. It's not yes. going to be, I'm starving, I need food. The hardest part of the fast is actually going to be, I'm addicted to coffee, I need my coffee. Yeah. So Look, I Steve, recommend trying to ease off on your addiction first yes. before you do the fast, because now you're going to make the fast way too difficult on yourself, you see? So you could have a sugar addiction. You could have a, a, a habitual addiction where you like to sit and watch TV and and, and snack. Those, those are the hardest parts of, of doing a fast. So sometimes it's it's better um, to just take a vacation and get away from your house, yeah. get away from your nagging wife. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm being facetious, but getting away from the TV and getting away. And like Momster said, a lot of people go to Costa Rica, to Western Costa Rica, and they do these long fasts because they're able to, like Momster said, you enjoy the jungle, the fresh air, and you don't have that food oh, getting thrown yeah. at you nonstop. Go to an Airbnb and sit in a cottage garden, Steve. Go to the beach with a towel and get yourself in a yoga position. Take some books. Go take the camera like I do. What what am I doing? I'm doing a diet right now, Steve. How do I have any junk food? No. Have I had any new ice cream? No, it's only five or six days to be fair. Have I had any shortcake biscuits? I haven't eaten any crap for five days. Because what's the fucking point, Steve, of us start eating the junk food? Look, I, I get it, right? These things are difficult. And we, you know, Steve, we have the addictions and things that we're used to. But equally, the reason why we did the fast, the reason why we're doing the diet, the reason why we did that thing is because we said we had a desire to clear out the toxins. We wanted to feel better. We wanted to be healthy. We wanted to be leaner, more muscular. We wanted how some people talk about foggy thinking. We wanted to think more clearly. Focus on what you decided the reason for the fast was and stick with it. Make it metaphysical if you want. Make it religious. I don't care. I just want you to have a positive experience. And that means no crap, none of the things that got you out of shape, none of the things that muddled your thinking, none of the things that made you feel unwell. That's the reason why you started for that particular trek. And in this case, it's the fast. So you go, right, day one, day two, day three, back onto your normal stuff. Did you feel great at the end of three days? Well, now you understand the benefits of the fast. If you felt like shit, you won't do it again. It's as simple as that. So try to keep things real simple. Real uncomplicated. Hell, tell a partner you're doing it just in case they see you sort of giddy and faint and dizzy and whatever around the house, that kind of vibe. But ultimately, the, the benefits come from not fucking it up. Let's be crude, Steve. So realistically, I would want it as pure and as simple and as straightforward as possible. And if it to keep it real simple, real easy, and Steve's done stuff on this, you can come on the forums and read what he's talked about fasting, but it might be as literally as a weekend and you might want to do that two, three times a year. And it might just be you literally, because I'm drinking too much or I'm smoking too much and I want to get some of this shit out of my system. I want to feel clear. I want to feel clean. I want my hair to look good. Whatever you're doing it for, 
It might be because you're stressed at work and I need two days of peace and no food, no bulging stomach, whatever. Do it right. Do it pure. Now, later on, you could change it to a 20-hour fast. You could bring certain things in that don't give you any aggravation and so on and so forth. But realistically, it should be as pure, as simple, and as unadulterated as possible, and that is water for the time period that you've set. Now, don't do anything crazy. We don't want you collapsing or hurting yourself. We don't want you dieting on fresh air or anything daft like that. And again, we're not trying to sell you anything. Do your own research. Go around and look at all the stuff. Don't go for any of the crazy kind of advice because that's that person's example. It might be a bit extreme for you and so on and so forth. Again, post these comments because we definitely want to have this kind of feedback where we can talk with you about this sort of stuff and explain the thinking and the thought process and whatever else. Now, I say that, Steve, I've yet to fast, so I might change my mind. But I think I'd want it as pure and as straightforward and as simple as possible for me. Yeah, so let's do a few more rapid-fire monster. Uh, Nick Walker yep. podcast. Let me let you comment on this. This guy says, God of Frog 6214 says, Nick Walker is my favorite bodybuilder. I want him to make it all the way. Well, what do you think about that one? What happened? He's an absolute fucking freak. This is my opinion, of course. Absolute freak, and we need freaks in the sport. But he will not be Mr. Olympia. He lacks the aesthetics. Next. So this one, he says, it's a NPP episode. He says, I run Test E400, Mass E500, MPP350. It's amazing for lean mass. I'm going to add T-ball 40 milligrams a day. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really good cycle. It's an advanced cycle. Um, it's a pretty mild cycle. Um, the testosterone, you could drop the testosterone a little bit down to 200 or 250. I think you'd get less estrogen issues on it. Um, I also would like you to consider, oh, actually it's it's really, really good because you're running master on E and that covers for the MPP. So you got the DHT derivative there and then the T-Bowl is also a DHT derivative. So I think it's a great cycle, good advanced cycle. You should get some re good recomping, good appetite uh, on that one. So quick answer then is I would actually say, Steve, if it's working well, stick with it until it stops working well, then add something in, then make a manipulation. Don't need to change things up just because if the example, the cycle you're already doing is giving you great results. Next. Sacred neutral says can't stand the inflammation from juice. Crappy carrier oil is what's the need. So on this one, I would say try a different brand, bro, because you could be very allergic. A lot of us, like me, I have a lot of post-injection pain. I have a lot of allergies from different steroids. But try different brands because certain brands don't bother me and certain brands really, really bother me where if I inject, it's like three days of, of, of pain. So don't quick, give quick up on juice. Again, Steve. Quick reply again, right? So uh, you might be using a higher milligram per mil product. Uh, which gives you more post-injection pain and more side effects. So, for example, 400, 450, 500 per milligram, which I've seen, you don't need those things. Even 350 can be too high for some people. So it might just be a case of lowering or, or either diluting it or using a product that's not so highly dosed. No one's making you use the higher dose ones. I know guys choose them. I know why they like them. But then they all, nearly always find out that the dosage per milligram is so high that they have problems with it and end up diluting it, which means they could have brought the other product to begin with. So there's loads of examples there that we can go into, Steve. Next. So this one's on the Anadrol. Let's do a couple of these. Um, it says, I always use Anadrol if I decide to take an oral. Never had any issues. Just got jacked fast. No appetite loss. So look, Anadrol is one of my favorite orals. If you're looking to bulk, if you're looking to get nice, big, and bulky and, and harder, I love Anadrol as well. If it works for you, as Mobster said, 
stick with it. Integral just doesn't fit what I'm looking for at this very time. But in two years from now, five years from now, I could go back to using Anadrol again. I used to love it back in the day when I was really more into being huge, you know, but now, you know, I'm more into, you know, aesthetics. I'm more into being, you know, endurance. So I, but I like Anadrol. How about you, Monster? Uh, I have used it. I didn't get on with it. Um, I much prefer D-Bowl. I know of users, especially new guys that come into the sport and they try Anadrol straight away and they blow up. I don't need to add 20. If I responded well, I don't need to put on 20 more pounds, especially uh, probably a good part of that water. And again, it's dose dependent or whatever. Like I said, some some users are adding 20 pounds on their first cycle. So I don't need to be 20 pounds. It'd be in no fucking way. I'd be, I'd be a walking bowl of water and it'd be horrendous for my cardio. So, yeah, um, no. if I respond in that way. Good for strength, though. So, again, user-specific, user-response-specific. Back to you. Last one. That's for you, Mobster. says uh, G9, G9, G9 is his name. He says, is D-ball better for body part splits versus three days a week strength training? So, say that first part again. Is D-ball what? This is what he says. He says, is D-ball better for body, body part splits Versus three days a week strength training. That was the question. Uh, it's a tough knows? question. Yeah. Hey, who knows? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really more of a training program suggestion than than a drug question. There are no drugs that work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but don't work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, you know, if you were training. Uh, do you know what the truth of them is? And I actually got an answer to this, Steve. So it would come down to whether or not he was responding well versus not responding well. So the argument then becomes is if he's training more frequently, does he get better results than training less frequently vis-a-vis -vis the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as opposed to splitting it up into legs, arms, back, whatever. Uh, and the answer to that is it's impossible to answer. You can't answer it with, with D-Bowl or, or Tarana Bowl or whatever. You can't. It literally comes down. I always do this, right? Simple, short answer is do one for a month, do the other one for a month. That's only eight weeks. Use D-Bowl throughout and tell me what you got the best response from. And I would do this as a coach. I would take your training diary. I would look to see what you were doing. I would change things. Hang on, this worked really well. Why the fuck are you doing this anymore? Why are you doing this other thing? Because your mate told you to change it and your results are shit. So it's as simple as that. And again, that's sometimes when a coach or another set of eyes comes in and has a look at these things. The short answer is it's impossible to know whether a training split three days a week would be better on Debo. I couldn't answer that question. I don't think any guru can. It's ridiculous. But I like the fact that he's asking it, but you can't answer it. That's, that's an impossible answer. One. So, yeah, <laughs> it would come down to whether or not the training's working and he's getting results. So there you guys listen, right? We love these comments, even that last one, guys. It's a little bit confusing, but I like the fact that he's thinking that particular way. We want more comments, so please post on our other uh, videos and podcasts and let us know what you think. Please note we're not doctors and opinions are ours. Our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, a podcast of informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.